Welcome to the Innovation Engine Podcast. Since 2014, we've been bringing you conversations with some of the world's leading authorities on innovation. Topics we cover include technology, culture, leadership, and more. Coming to you from Three Pillar Global Studio in Fairfax, Virginia, here's your host, Will Sherlin. Welcome back to the Innovation Engine Podcast. On this very special episode of the podcast, we're going to take you behind the scenes at South by Southwest to experience the sights and sounds of one of the world's biggest annual tech festivals. As you'll hear over the course of the episode, our trip was cut short by a few days by the great blizzard that wasn't, at least here in the DC area, but that didn't stop us from getting the microphones in front of some guests that was really great to get a chance to speak with. You'll hear interviews with Martin Vizovsky, the chief designer and futurist at SAP, Jen Dante, who leads product innovation for children and family in the Netflix member experience, and Connor Egan, the chief product officer for a startup called Brandcast that launched its beta product at South by Southwest. Now, if at the end of this episode, you find yourself wanting to get an even more immersive sensory experience of South by Southwest than audio will allow, I also took some time out of my bridge stay in Austin to record 360 degree video documenting our time there. That's stitched together in about a seven minute video that's available on Three Pillars Vimeo and YouTube channels, as well as our Facebook page. So be sure to check the show notes for those links if you wanna see a 360 degree view of everything that was in Austin or a lot of things that were in Austin uh, over the course of this past weekend. So without further ado, here is our very special South by Southwest episode of the Innovation Engine podcast. Leading off is Martin Vazovsky, the chief designer and futurist at SAP, who'd been a speaker at South by Southwest the previous day. Enjoy. Okay, so I'm here with Martin Vizovsky, yeah, cool. <laughs> the, uh, the chief designer and futurist at SAP, who's in from Berlin. I uh, was one of the speakers and spoke yesterday. Um, so let me first ask, in your role, the title sounds amazing. What is the day-to-day like of uh, the, the chief designer and futurist at SAP? I agree. It's a very grown-up title. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So I work for the Innovation Center Network um, and for our Chief Innovation Office, where Jürgen Miller, our Chief Innovation Officer, is the leader globally, mm-hmm. stepped up to this role last year, um, where we generally want to look at things that uh, otherwise SAP is not focusing on because we're delivering so much other things. Mm-hmm. We are 85,000 people running the world, basically, when it comes to business software, uh, mm-hmm. touching 80% of the world's GDP. Uh, through our software in the transactions means one or another way and that should should keep you you know alert if you hear that number I mean seriously we yeah. are touching between 70 to 80 percent of the world's GDP hmm it better be good right so we we are delivering we are on the promise we are promising um, uh, to build futures for many of our customers so there's a dilemma in there yeah if, if you're executing and delivering like that how do you then have time to to safeguard both your future as a company, how do you understand the change that is ongoing to be, uh, maybe even lead that change or, or at least be a thought leader there and execute on the future possibilities and how do you then safeguard your customer's future that they are online so you don't run faster than they do because then neither us or them have a business together. So for that, we created this entity, Innovation Center Networks and the Chief Innovation Office. <coughs> and I work there with this uh, title, Chief Designer and Futurist, um, for the Strategy Circle. Uh, 
so, and for me, that's a reflection of current times. Uh, I have a, I studied construction engineering, and then I didn't work with that a, a lot. Then I start, studied a little bit of design on the side, different courses, became a designer. So I'm a construction engineer, not, not done yet. I'm a designer that works with a strategy for the, an innovation center for business software. That tells me, wait a second, we need all these perspectives to, to run the future nowadays. You maybe didn't 15 years ago. You yeah. could be a UI, usability and interaction designer, and yeah, that's it. Or you could be a strategist, yeah? chief strategist, whatever you are. Today we need to mix these things. So day-to-day -day would be observing, say it's a sequence. In our team, we observe what's happening out there, very objectively. Uh, blockchain is an interesting technology, okay. Globalization is happening, so, so movement of people, um, different styles of work, uh, contingent workforce, that's, that's on the rise, yeah. Mm -hmm. You look in India and China, the rise of the middle class, the next billion there. Uh, okay, Obje then, then you have these dots, you map them, or we map them, that's what we do. We created a map, an innovation canvas, if you wish, mm -hmm. that we run. And I said, okay, so how are these dots connected? What, what happens, for example, if you overlap the technologies, uh, blockchain and uh, machine learning, some flavor of that, for a specific area, say healthcare. Hmm. So wearable technologies connected to, to, to the internet where your data is safe, secured in the blockchain because it's distributed, so you own this somehow. You, maybe that gives you this, this uh, trust that everybody talks about. And with artificial intelligence, we can learn about your body and how you, how you feel over time. So your T-shirt becomes your doctor. I'm making things up right now <laughs> as, I, <laughs> as I speak, just to give you a narrative that can come out from connecting the dots. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Now we have a possible future, as I call it. These possible future narratives are many. And they work. It's, it's a good, they have a good purpose. They should inspire. They should alert you that this is happening, this is possible. And they should make you think, huh, if these are possible futures, what would be the desirable ones? Because there are utopian futures and dystopian futures, right? Yeah. We've seen the science fiction movies, all of us. Sure. Good. How far away is this future? Is it two, three uh, years uh, that we would like to deliver something with a return? Or is it something we'd like to invest in where we don't know how it will play out, which is also a very good investment to a portfolio that should be broader? Cool. These are the desirable ones. And then we ask the question, where can we strategically as SAP with our customers play a significant positive role, make a significant positive impact that this changes, moving things forward as, as according to our vision, which is run the world uh, better and improve people's lives. It's a seriously profound, uh, very you know, ambitious vision. If we find these things, we go and execute them. Okay, let's prototype, let's invest, let's talk to customers, let's run that show, make, it, make a running plan. So that's, that's basically a description of what I do in, uh, month to month or day to day, I guess. Yeah. Does it make sense to you? It does, yes. Okay. <laughs> and, and I mentioned that you spoke yesterday on the future of work, so I know that it was an hour long uh, talk with some Q&A at the end, and it's probably not possible to, to really distill it down into a short soundbite. But uh, can you give listeners a little bit of a view into what you think the future of work is? <laughs> 
that question. Uh, so the soundbite would be the title, I guess. Let's map, build, and uh, inspire a future we all want to live in. That that was the title. Again, pretty pretentious, maybe. <laughs> but I'm, you know, aiming for the impossible make, makes opens the possibilities, I guess. The idea is that we're taking decisions every day uh, in our professional life and our private life. They lead always into the future. The future is important. Uh, if it's the short future, next month or next 30 years. Um, however you think about it, we will spend the rest of our lives in that future. <laughs> you cannot get away from that. Not yet. Time travel <laughs> doesn't exist. So uh, let's build it. Let's make it good. Yeah. And, and the idea here, especially in for the audiences here South By, um, with all this mixed perspective, we have arts, we have movie, music, we have the interactive community, the digitalization of the world. Um, I'm not twisting this at, at here at the conference from, from SAP's roles only, but actually from our role as, as pioneers of the future. Everybody here, I would assume, are in one way or another to take this accountability. Yeah. To build the future we want to live in, seriously. And actually being sort of a fusionist of all these small movements we see ever, uh, everywhere. Because I don't want, uh, I mean, it doesn't have to be Google, Amazon, but I don't want the companies, the specific company, just hand you the future or the next US president or whoever you look out the, uh, um, f f acting on the, on the scenes. No, it's you and I and, and your company, your startup, your idea. That will drive the future. So can we have a conversation about that? Yes, I think so. Can we then find these desirable futures and go for them? Yes, I think so. So that, that was the, the talk. Yeah, very nice. And and before we started recording, you mentioned the uh, the flight over here, which sounds like an amazing experience. Uh, can you can you give a little background on uh, on on what happened with that? Yeah, it was it was really awesome. I mean, uh, Lufthansa customer partner, good guys. They have a entity called Flying Labs, which does amazing. They really truly turned the nose to yes, uh, since you know flying is safe for a reason, because these people work so hard to make it possible for us to move around the globe safely. Um, so having anything else on the plane, for example, digital equipment of any sort, it's pretty much no. Guys, regulation says no. They found ways to have a conference on the plane. I kid you not. They <laughs> had a special South by Southwest conference starting at the gate in Frankfurt all sorts of super nice people, uh, 500 of them, because it's a big damn plane, <laughs> the biggest one out there, 380 Airbus, I think. Um, you know, there was a coffee corner, there was a stage, some talks on the stage, people mingling. Uh, you had that feeling you have here in Austin, people meeting up. Already I had two very good discussions before boarding the plane, uh, just because of this event. And once on the plane, there's a real conference going on. So there's cameras, there are moderators, there's a full agenda. And you could, on a special Wi-Fi network, also security is very important there, mm -hmm. connect to this conference with your device, with your phone, iPad, whatever you had, and directly stream through you, live streamed there, with the, you know, very little latency. You could see the speakers, they were filmed on the upper deck, it's the upper deck of the plane. We, we congregated there, there was a moderator, was a lady with a real professional camera filming the whole thing, streaming to the rest of the plane. And the people could ask questions. So they could sit downstairs with the iPad and ask me, hey, what, what do you mean by that? And, and the moderator could give me the question, I could answer them live. And 
some people didn't believe this was happening. They were they were watching this. Oh, yeah, this is a TV show. What is this? So they sneaked up behind the curtains. Wait a second. They were here actually having a conference and you know stayed out, hanged out there behind the curtain <laughs> and watched the conference live as well. So this was this was the quickest eleven hours on a play I spent in my life. Yeah. Really. So what they did, fundamentally, we had a good experience in flight. It was a really, a, you know, a banana shell whew, right into the conference to Austin, already on the plane, starting in Frankfurt, thanks to Lufthansa and, and many good speakers. Daimler, SAP was there, many others. Very nice. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time and, uh, and the inspirational words about creating the future. Thank you very much. Enjoyed it a lot. Absolutely. Have a nice festival. Thank you. The next interview is with Jen Dante of Netflix, and you and she will have to forgive my flubbing the description of her job and title during the intro. South by Southwest is a long, exhausting experience, and at the end of a pretty long, rain-soaked day, it was all I could do to make sure the recording equipment was working and to carry on a conversation. Without further ado, here's my talk with Jen Dante of Netflix. Okay, so I'm here with Jen Dante of Netflix, who works on customer acquisition for Netflix Kids, correct? Uh, no. So no. Uh, I work actually on the member experience. For member experience, okay. So we don't sell directly to children. <laughs> but we do want Netflix to really appeal to everybody in the household. Yep. So we're looking for ways um, to make Netflix appealing to kids, but in a way that parents feel comfortable and in control. Okay, nice. Um, and in, in your um, bio on the South by Southwest social um, application, you mentioned your love for A-B testing. Uh, and that's something that's deep in the culture at Netflix. One of your colleagues is giving a talk on it tomorrow. I know you can't dive too deep into specific results, um, but what might be the types of things that you would A-B test in, uh, you know, in, in, your, in your role? So we really A-B test everything that possibly can be A-B tested. I mean, the one exception to that is bugs. We don't A-B test fixing bugs, we just fix them. But um, one of the things that we found is it's really difficult to accurately predict how other human beings will respond to product changes. And so rather than having big arguments about what, what we should do or what we shouldn't do, we test it, we let our users tell us what they like, and then based on that, we productize only those things that work. And when we say what they like, what we think about it is when people are choosing to come to the service more often, when people are choosing to watch more when they use the service, we take that as a signal that we're delivering a more compelling and better product to them. Yeah. And what kind of like subset of users would you test something on or with? Or is it something you do just like completely externally? So um, we do test on our own members. Uh, and. I can give a couple examples of tests we've run. So, you know, recently you may have noticed um, if you watch Netflix on a TV device, that when you're scrolling around now, you're getting trailers for the various shows that you're looking at when you're up at the top level screen. So that was something that we tested to see if it would work. So sometimes we make, we test really big changes along those lines. Sometimes we test really small things. So, um, you know, I used to work in the acquisition space at Netflix. Uh, we tested adding a little text message right next to where people register, just kind of walking them through to let them know how many steps were left in the process. So really small, it was probably two hours of work from an engineer, if that, as opposed to testing video merge that was you know months and months of work. But we really want to test 
everything at all ends of the spectrum. Again, because we've just found, I'll share with you overall, our hit rate for tests, meaning the percentage of tests that we run in which we see a positive result on the core metrics we care about, is about 40%, which is to say 60% of the time, the thing we thought was a great idea, everybody agreed, yeah, we should go test this, either did nothing, our users didn't care about it, or actually negatively impacted the metrics we care about. Well. And that's the reason, again, why we want to test everything. I think of it as uh, A-B testing is sort of like the best stock portfolio plan ever, right? Like you get to buy a bunch of stocks, but all the stocks it turns out we're going to lose by the end of the year, you get to dump them after like three weeks and only hold on to the things that win. That, and that's really the beauty of A-B testing. It allows you to take risks. Um, you can try things even that you're not confident it's going to win because you have this safety net that's going to stop you from rolling out something that fails. Yeah. And in your prior role, you mentioned you were with customer acquisition acquisition for Netflix. You moved on because I'm sure that one person who's not a Netflix member was sick of hearing from you. Yeah, <laughs> Is definitely. that accurate? Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I honestly moved on because I'd been doing acquisition at a bunch of companies for about 10 years, and I was looking for a new challenge. I, not to say that it had become easy, because it's a hard problem. It's a hard problem anywhere, but um, I was starting to get a little burnt out just trying to address the same problem over and over. I wanted to work on something new. But uh, the thing I would say is, it's certainly true that in a market like the US, Netflix is really well known, lots of people are using it, but as we've expanded globally, there are plenty of countries out there where most people don't know the brand, or if they know the brand, they're not using it. Mm -hmm. So there's a huge potential pool of customers globally. Yeah. Okay. And favorite Netflix shows? I'm a big fan of Lovesick. Okay. Uh, I particularly uh, recommended people to try 3%, which is a Brazilian original production that we did. Uh, kind of post-apocalyptic. Really great. Uh, I couldn't recommend it more. Okay. Very nice. Thank you so much for spending a little time with us. Uh, it was a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. One of the cooler companies we bumped into at South by Southwest is a startup called Brandcast that was just coming out of beta and launching to the general public while we were there. Brandcast is a web-based design tool that designers can use to create beautiful websites without writing a line of code. It reminded me a little bit of what a love child between Squarespace and Sketch might look like. I don't know that anyone at Brandcast would agree with that analogy, but that's a topic for another episode. After one of their demos, I spoke with Connor Egan, the chief product officer at Brandcast, about the history of the company, its venture backing, and who the product was built for. I have not gotten my hands dirty with it yet, but I will say it looks like a very slick product, and I'm looking forward to trying it out. Here's my conversation with Connor Egan. Okay, so I'm here with Connor Egan at the Brandcast Design Lounge, and he just did a walkthrough of Brandcast, which just came out of beta. It's officially being yep. unveiled here at South by Southwest. That's right. As of uh, this Saturday, we're out of beta. Yep, we've been very in beta nice. for a couple months, so we're really excited to get it out to everybody. Cool. Congratulations. Thank you very much. So for the uninitiated, which will be pretty much everyone at this point, uh, can you give uh, the short version of what Brandcast allows users to do? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, so Brandcast is a completely web-based, cloud-based uh, piece of design software uh, that's designed to allow uh, any kind of designer, whether they be a print designer, graphic designer, or web designer, uh, to be able to lay out really intricately, really custom-looking pages without the need for code. So there's kind of uh, low-end people like Squarespace and Wix and Weebly if you want to get up and running 
you know, something my mom or dad could do. Mm -hmm. um, if you have some design skill, then this is really going to be more of the platform for you. So we're trying to cut out that flow where you do design and InDesign or Photoshop and then have to find a developer to chop it up and put it on WordPress and go through that whole process. So really trying to enable teams that have designers but not a lot of technical resources to be able to publish really beautiful websites uh, very quickly and easily. Okay, nice. And how long in the making has uh, Brandcast been? Sure, yeah, that's a great question. So um, we've been in business about three years. We had an initial version of the platform that was a bit more like a Squarespace, but mm -hmm. that market is very well served, and we discovered that designers are very underserved by web technology. So a lot of these technologies, uh, like WordPress, were built by developers and really are for developers fundamentally. Um, so we wanted to make a product that really targets designers and really serves their needs, and that's um, what we started doing about nine months ago. We sort of redid the platform 2.0 using a lot of really new front-end technologies that allow a very cool, fluid desktop experience in the browser. And we started that, uh, yeah, about nine or ten months ago, and we're just uh, showing it to the public today, so we're really excited. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, and are you venture-backed, self-funded? Sure. So we were actually seeded uh, by Mark Benioff. It was a personal okay. investment of his at the beginning. So uh, he got us up long enough to uh, get out the initial version of the product, and we actually just did our Series A uh, four to six months ago. So we did our first institutional round um, then, and that was uh, led by Shasta Ventures, and we had a couple strategic partnerships on top of that as well. Okay, nice. And if folks are interested in getting their hands dirty, they can go to Brandcast.com? Yep, so go to Brandcast.com. Um, we are giving away a free version of the platform because we want every single designer to have a copy of this. So that will come with access to the design studio and some limiting, limited publishing capabilities. So you can put it through its paces, see if it's something you'd like to use. And then we have a team edition that starts about $99 a month for unlimited seats so you can collaborate with your marketers and your content editors. And then ultimately, if you want to use it commercially, that's going to be the way to go. But free accounts starting today. So go to brandcast.com slash sign up and uh, give it a try. Okay, nice. Well, thanks for the demo. Thanks for the interview and uh, congratulations. All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate the time. Absolutely. At the end of the trip in the Austin airport, I thought we might just have scored a podcasting coup. I got a text from my coworker, Sayla Singh, that he'd just seen tech luminary Guy Kawasaki in the airport. You may get a kick out of this recording from the Delta terminal at the Austin airport after I just tried unsuccessfully to track down Guy Kawasaki and interview him for the Innovation Engine podcast. Give it a listen. So I'm here at the Austin airport a few days earlier than anticipated. Uh, major blizzard is due to hit the East Coast tomorrow. So Sayla and I unfortunately had to head for the hills early. So for at least two attendants at uh, South by Southwest 2017, the big winner and the big story was Mother Nature. She dumped rain on us all day yesterday and um, is ending the trip a little bit early. If I'm out of breath or sound out of breath, uh, it's because Sayla saw Guy Kawasaki here in the airport, and uh, I've been hoofing it over to the food court where Sayla saw him to try to get him on tape. I uh, thought that, you know, perhaps the stars were aligned to make that happen, but it wasn't so. So uh, a little more disappointment just to uh, close out the week, but, you know, we packed a lot into two days, uh, had, a, had a blast while we were down here. Um, and got some great footage in uh, not just the audio realm, but video as well. So check out Three Pillars YouTube channel for the 360 video, which I should have stitched together uh, before long. Or um, you can hit uh, 
our Facebook page as well. We'll be posting it there. So uh, thanks for listening. And uh, until next year, goodbye, Austin. So we didn't find Guy Kawasaki in the Austin airport, but at least the man was able to eat in peace. Maybe we'll be able to track him down for a future episode of the podcast. A podcast host can only dream of getting a guest like Guy Kawasaki to come on. But thanks very much for listening to this special edition of the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. We may have additional snippets coming your way from folks that we had interviews lined up with that we ended up having to cancel. But if nothing hits your podcast feed between now and next Monday, you can expect to hear an episode with Rachel Stott coming your way on Monday, March 20th, about the importance of space and place. Rachel is the director of the Refraction co-working space in Northern Virginia, and we have a great episode with her that you won't want to miss if you're interested in finding out how and why our physical surroundings may play a far greater role in workplace success than you ever would have thought. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. The Innovation Engine Podcast is produced by Three Pillar Global, a product lifecycle management and software development company based in Fairfax, Virginia. Go to our website at www.3pillarglobal.com to find out more about our services. You can subscribe to the Innovation Engine through the iOS podcast app, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio. And you can also ensure that you never miss an episode by going to 3pillarglobal.com slash podcast. There you can sign up to receive fresh new episodes of the Innovation Engine in your inbox each time one comes out. You can also download our very own iOS app designed and developed in-house here at 3Pillar by searching for the Innovation Engine in the iTunes App Store. If you like what you hear on the Innovation Engine and you live in the world of product and software development, you may like our sister podcast, Take 3. You can find Take 3 at soundcloud.com slash take3pillar with the number 3 or on iOS devices by searching for Take and the number 3 in the podcast app. On each episode, my partner in crime, Julia Slattery, talks with two Three Pillar team members to get quick takes on the trends, technologies, and tools that are changing the way software gets made and business gets done.